You know, we um, can take for granted the blessings in our lives, and I want to say that one of the greatest in mind is just the chance to hear these musicians and singers every week. Man, what a, what a cool thing. I, we, I was over on Friday uh, leading a uh, memorial service, a day of remembrance for 9-11 um, at the polo fields where the flags, more than 3,000 flags, are standing to honor um, those who we lost on 9-11. One of those flags representing Jeff Mladnik, who was one of the pastors of this church who we lost on 9-11 in the first plane crash. And um, the way um, Kim, who just sang for us, sang America the Beautiful and ministered to the crowd of people that were feeling the gravity of the moment was really something special. And I thought, boy, we are so... We are so blessed to have um, servants in the life of this church family that brings so much help and encouragement to other people. And I'm really all about wanting to talk about that subject with you today. Um, and I should just say, it's really nice to be back again. I wanna say thank you for having me back. The danger of bringing in really great outside speakers is they may not want you back. So I was, uh, especially blessed just to sit under that great preaching we enjoyed over these past um, days. But I am thrilled to be starting the new year together with you. And I know it's not under the kind of conditions that we would prefer. Uh, I, I think that will not stop God from doing something fantastic in our lives this year if we open ourselves to him. And so what I want to talk to you today is about a vision for that. I want to first and foremost talk about the vision that I think it, that we need to have of God himself, because everything good flows from who God is, from God's uh, character. He is our strong foundation. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. I remember reading that scripture on 9-11 that very morning as people were streaming into the church, coming, pulling off the road. Uh, to look for some kind of comfort in the midst of the tragedy befalling our nation. And I remember reading that he is our sure foundation. And we got to hold on to that reality. Uh, so the first thing I want to do is to, is to, as my friend Nicholas Pierce would say, re, let God reintroduce himself to us. Uh, secondly, I want to share what I believe God, what God wants to do in and through us. Before he can do it through us, he has to do it in us. I want to think about that. And then thirdly, I'd like to give you some practical handles on how you can personally be part of the great adventure of this season uh, ahead. Uh, so that you're not just watching Christ Church, you are Christ Church in the fullest possible way. And I know, that, I know that's your heart anyway, to, to be that uh, kind of, a, of an influencer. So let me just start with God. A very good place to start. <laughs> uh, with who God is. Um, I was uh, hiking in the uh, mountains um, and, uh, on the border between Maine and New Hampshire this past summer with my, my brother Jeff, and my mind went back to a story that I heard many, many years ago told by author uh, Tim Hansel in a book called Holy Sweat. And in this story, Hansel is describing, and he's a real outdoorsman, is describing an experience of hiking through uh, the mountains of California with his young children. And at one point, um, Hansel is a little further down the trail, I think guess they must have been coming down at that point, than, than, than his uh, uh, kids, and he's admiring the incredible view when all of a sudden he hears a shout from behind him, 
And the shout says this, catch me! And he just, with his heart, just suddenly goes on fire and he, he whirls around and he sees the body of his, one of his kids falling down through space from a ledge above and he just flashes out his arms and catches the child. And his heart is going a million miles a minute and, and, and suddenly the full shock of what just happened overtakes him because he realizes that the child had jumped intentionally from the ledge above and then shouted, catch me. <laughs> and he just starts you know, yelling in the way that parents do when they're really scared. <laughs> you know, not, not, not out of totally out of anger, even more out of love. You know, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? You could have gotten really hurt. I might not have heard you. I, I might not have been fast enough. And the little child who's in, in his arms looks, looks up kind of quizzically. And she says, well, I knew you'd hear me. I knew you'd catch me. You're my dad. Now, I, I want to just confess that if you were a, um, a disreputable preacher, you could build some really bad theology out of that illustration, <laughs> right? You could like use that illustration to suggest that we can take whatever kind of crazy leaps we want to in life and God will always catch us. Now, I guess in some sense, that's in the ultimate sense, that's true. We believe that God ultimately has his everlasting arms beneath us. And even when we do really stupid things, crazy things, and you know, in the end, it is gonna be okay because we have put our trust in the right one. But, but it does not mean that, that every single leap that we take and every time we're tumbling and falling in, in, in life that, that we're going to be spared from the impact of it. We know that because Jesus himself suffered. Jesus was God's most precious child, God's only son, only begotten son. And he, and he suffered greatly in this life. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you will suffer. John 16, verse 33, you will suffer sometimes. Be brave because I've overcome this world, uh, you'll ultimately be all right. Um, so I don't think we should do dumb things intentionally. Um, but I do think that we are supposed to live with a childlike faith, that even when we are falling, even when sometimes we, we're, we're not spared all of the impact of, of life, that there is a heavenly father who hears us, like Hansel heard, his child, and, and whose heart it is to spare us, to save us, to renew us, to lift us up. That's his heart. That is who God uh, really is. And I think that is especially important news to, to focus on or to think about because it strikes me that we are living in a time of unusual heaviness. You know, Sue Ann walked through the catalog of all the things going on in our world uh, today. But it, it is a time of tremendous heaviness. You know, we're, we're, we're going faster than ever. There, it seems like there's more conflict and noise than ever before. There's, there's a lot of chaos in the world. There's all these expectations that are pressing on people from every single direction. There's this whole COVID thing adding to the complexity of it. 
maybe life is just hard at the core of things, especially if you don't have resources to cope with it. And a lot of people don't have enough resources yet to cope with it. And, and I think as I listen around me to people who are feeling the weightiness of life today, I think some of them feel like they're falling, some of them feel like they've already hit the ground, some of them feel like they're stuck in a hole someplace. And I hear this in the conversations I have with neighbors or over here in the coffee shop or the doctor's office or a read between the lines of social media, there is a heaviness to life today. And last June, I, I just started writing down I started writing down some of the kinds of um, things I was hearing people say uh, to try and make better sense of it. And I asked our worship arts team, can you put this in a form that can help other people hear what I'm hearing? And so I wanna invite you now to, to attend to this video. Sorry, I missed your call. Leave me a message and I'll get back to you. Thanks for checking in. Things are still crazy. I'm overwhelmed. I'm just trying to get through the day. I focus on the next email, the next task, the next text, and then it starts all over again. It really never ends. I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. I need a new plan, maybe a new purpose. I'll get back to you. Well, we're, we're getting by. Actually, the truth is we're hanging on. Things just, they just feel flat, stale. It's not that I don't love her. I just don't know what I feel. I don't see how things are going to get any better. Leave me a message. The kids are fine. Last year was so hard. I don't think they've bounced back. And this year, I don't know how to help them thrive. This isn't the world I grew up in. I don't know who has the answers. I, I've made so many mistakes. I, I couldn't possibly tell you what I've done or, or what I failed to do. I, I feel like I'm in a deep, dark hole, and I don't know how I'm going to get out. The world is a mess. I don't know who's telling the truth, and no one wants to listen. No one seems to consider another point of view. I'm right and you're wrong. How is anything going to get better? Depression, anxiety, addiction, unemployment, COVID, healthcare, poverty. How do we respond to all of this? Where do we, where do I go for help? I'm overwhelmed and discouraged. I can only imagine how people who have less connections, resources, and relationships feel. Some days I can't find hope. I don't know if you have felt any of the kind of gravity that is expressed in those voices for yourself. I, I don't know, you know how you've been managing over this la last year. I I'm gonna guess that you might have resonated with some of those feelings, or you know people who are feeling the weight and the weariness of life in, in a big way. I know I, I do. I, it's, it's affected me, it's affected my colleagues and the church staff, other pastors I talk to. Um, these have been really challenging times. Uh, I, I, got, uh, I get perspective sometimes that I'm not as challenged as some people are. I got an amazing letter this past week. Uh, I asked permission from the letter writer to share it with you because I want to encourage you to be praying 
for this person and for the other uh, colleagues that um, she works alongside. She, she wrote me, I'm a teacher who's been in the classroom all day, even when my students only came half day. And my workload has doubled or trebled since the onset of COVID. Uh, many days, my coworkers and I leave school exhausted and defeated, knowing that we have hours of emails and grading to do before returning to work. The kids get a mask break, but the teachers don't. We spend eight to 10 hours in masks, then hours at home afterwards making dinner and helping our own kids. I get up at five, do breakfast, make lunches, then start working at six. I teach all day, cook dinner, then answer emails until 10, do laundry until 11. I try to get to bed by midnight so I can get up again at five and start again. I try not to complain. I, I, I know I'm not a small business owner who's experienced even worse. However, my fellow teachers and I are exhausted. And this year, we're trying to teach kids all over again how to be students. They lost a huge part of their education. And we're trying our best to reconnect and teach each one and help them move forward. Thank you for listening to a silent voice. This teacher wrote me this letter because I had sent out a, a, a weekly update devotion this past week in which I quoted Jesus' words, come unto me all you who are tired from carrying heavy loads and I will give you rest. And what she felt in herself was just the need for, for, for rest. And I guess what I want to emphasize today is that um, there is a God who hears and who cares even when he can't always immediately for reasons we can't fully understand and are still wondering about, I'm sure, he can't fully fix everything that we would love to see fixed in the way we would want it done. But he hears people when they're falling. He hears people when the gravity of life is, is pressing upon them. And he has a heart, like, the, like that uh, picture of Tim Hansel, to, to help. And we know this because of the, uh, in part because of the incredible stories that we read in the scriptures that describe the character of this God. You know, I, I think of just some of the people he worked with over time. Job, you've all probably heard of Job. He's a guy with brains and brawn and a great big bank account. And then he takes a serious tumble from up, from on high. A whole cascade of calamities befalls uh, Job. And he loses pretty much everything that he had staked his security, his significance, uh, his peace of mind on is sort of stripped away by a series of disasters in his life. The one thing he does not lose, however, is his faith that there's a God who is greater than the gravity he's experiencing. He, he struggles sometimes to hold on to that belief, but he doesn't lose his faith in this God. And at one point, Job declares, the lowly God sets on high, and those who mourn, he lifts to safety. Then I think of Hannah, also in the Old Testament. She's a, a poor woman with very few resources uh, to her name in life. Uh, in an age where having children is pretty much like your only uh, social security system as you age, uh, Hannah's system is bankrupt. She has no kids. 
She, she, she knows that she's going to be spending her elderly years in the equivalent of living in a cardboard box under a bridge someplace, trying to give her body away perhaps to try and just pay for some kind of food. But then suddenly God's arms flash out and lift Hannah. And she's gifted with a child, an unexpected child. And, um, and the child in turn continues to rise. The child becomes a, a tremendously spiritually attentive child. And, and then a prophet in Israel named Samuel, who one day as an adult uh, is led by God to go and anoint the youngest of seven kids in a shepherding family and, and make that young, young person the, the future king of Israel. Um, through this cascade of circumstances, Hannah, then Samuel, then David, who rises to become the greatest political leader Israel ever had. How does this happen? How does all of this work together? The answer is through the power of the God of lift. And, And Hannah puts it this way herself. The Lord raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. I've experienced it, she says. Then time and time again, that shepherd boy that her son Samuel anoints, who becomes king, David, uh, time and again, he gets hard-pressed in life. He gets really discouraged. He's taking hard hits. He's in a hole. Read your way through the Psalms. It's just David's confession of just how miserable life sometimes feels. And in certain character, characteristics or ways, David kind of brings some of this on himself. I mean, his, his character needs work, frankly. His marriage is a mess. His kids are a crash scene. His nation is divided. But if there's one thing you can say about David that distinguished him from other people is that he was more than just good with a slingshot. David was good with God. He was good with the God of lift. And, it, and a lot of those Psalms are about extolling the wonders of this God. I will exalt you, Lord, he writes at one point, for you lifted me out of the depths. You set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. The Lord upholds all who fall and God lifts up those who are fallen down. Many, many years later, out of a branch of David's family, God does it again. He does it a lot of times in between, but very significantly, later on, he does this. He, he lifts up a poor peasant woman, you know her name, Mary, and a, and a, and a peasant carpenter fiancé named Joseph, and through these two, he brings forth another child. Few, of course, dared to think that that. that anything good was going to come out of that arrangement. I mean, this was a child that was born out of wedlock. He was born in a stable. He was born in the Appalachia of the ancient world. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? They would say of the town where he actually uh, spent his young years and his young adult years. The headlines of that day were all about the big stuff happening. It was about Caesar's new tax plan. It was about Herod's new infrastructure plans. But there was a deeper movement at work. There was a deeper force for renewal 
at work in history, as there often is when we, it's not gonna be on the front page of the news. It's not gonna be happening there. It's gonna be happening deep in the soil. It's gonna be happening in the unseen places. It's gonna be happening in the heart of particular individuals God's working in that, that, that larger movements will eventually move forward. And you know what went on with that child who grew up as the son of Mary and Joseph. God's plan was to raise a community around his son through whom he would move to lift the whole human race. And through that child, that son, the community that gathered around that one and his vision for life, Western civilization was born. Hospitals, orphanages, um, institutions of education, rights for women, the extension of, of rights for all people, came this huge movement of grace against the gravity of life, pushing up against the gravity of life, all emerged from that silent, invisible place where God was at work. Um, so I think it's really important from time to time to come back and remember who God is and what God has done uh, in the course of history. I know it from my own history. Uh, I, know, I know that I've seen God change my life. He's lifted up my character. He's lifted up my marriage. He's lifted up my attitude. He's lifted up my uh, way of handling conflict and adversity and, and people that don't li like me. He's lifted me up in all of these ways. I don't know what your story is, but I hope you can tell some stories about how God, the God of lift, has met you in life. The message that I think Jesus has given to the community of faith is that there is a grace that is greater than the gravity of all of the sin and the strain and the struggles of life. And that grace comes from the God of lift. That is our song. That is our story as a people. And I think that we need to keep reminding ourselves together of this because it's so easy these days to lose sight of that story, uh, of that song. We can get caught up in so many lesser uh, movements than the great one that he has commissioned us actually to be representing and to be advancing in this, in this world. And that's why I'm trying to, to have this conversation, to recast a vision for all of us today. I need to be reinfected with this in my soul too. And so I want to just call out, if I may, three crucial spiritual movements that I believe God is calling us to make in our time that he wants to do first in us and then through us. And the first of those spiritual movements that I pray we will make is to lift our eyes to God anew. Like we've been singing today. To lift our eyes to God anew. We need to raise our vision above the downcast, despairing, depressed, discouraged, derogatory, destructive, defensive viewports that are dominating people's vision today. The psalmist says, lift your eyes to the Lord from whom comes our help. The prophet Isaiah says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens, the invisible places. 
St. Paul wrote, don't be conformed anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. And your mind gets renewed as you catch a fresh vision. Lift your eyes up to God. What are your eyes focused on these days? What are your ears paying attention to these days? To the extent that any of us are, I don't want to presume this to be true for you, but to the extent that any of us are, we got to stop deriving our values and modeling our rhetoric and putting our hope for salvation in the idols of this world and the icons of this world. Let's recommit together to looking to God, to lifting up our eyes to him, taking all our cues for behavior, for attitude, from him and seek to be more like him by his grace. That's spiritual movement number one. Spiritual number, movement number two. Let's lift up Jesus. Let's care most about elevating him uh, in this life. Make that our number one objective. I, I will be blunt. I, I think a lot of well-meaning Christians today have gotten very overtaken by a consuming concern for personal survival and power. I, I get sucked into it myself. And, and, and we've moved this direction because there are so many voices out there, if you think about it, calling us to be about that, making that our preeminent concern. Uh, we're, we're told that our main concern ought to be the preservation of our bodies against COVID. That the main concern ought to be the survival of the church against those atheists. That our main concern ought to be the ascendance of our party against that bad party. Or the preeminence of America against everybody else. Or the solving of our anxiety over all of the people out there who threaten any one of the above. We're constantly being invited to make that the concern of our life. And it's not that they don't matter, these concerns. That they don't have a certain relevance. But if we are truly Christ followers, not just playing ones on TV, right? If that's true, wouldn't you conclude that our main focus would be upon elevating Jesus, advancing his name? Jesus, who I, I, I hasten to, to uh, observe, actually had all the power and the position and the possession, right? He had it all. And he deserved it. And he voluntarily laid it down, taking the form of a servant for the sake of others. How do we elevate that vision? What would that Jesus and, and, and a vision of that Jesus do in people's hearts if they really caught it, if they really saw you and me modeling it? Would change happen in our world if more people caught that? If we really want others to find the transforming power of his life and his kingdom, it is most likely to happen when they see how you and I are laying down ourselves for the sake of the good of others and lifting up him. What did John the Baptist say, one of the great 
celebrities of his day, as the crowds were chasing after him, his response was, I must decrease. He must increase of Jesus. And Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to me. Lift me up. Finally, I want to invite you in the days ahead to work with me and with others in our church's life to lift up more of the people that, that Jesus sees and hears. Uh, I want to invite you into that adventure. Um, many years ago, I was uh, preaching a sermon on Thanksgiving, and I told the story of, uh, from the life of, of the author of Roots, a very, very popular book and television series of uh, years ago, Alex Haley. And, and the story that I told from Alex Haley's life was of a photograph that Haley kept on the wall in his office. And it was really a, a weird photograph, and it always uh, provoked questions when people saw it when they were in his office which is actually why he kept it there in part. It was a photograph of a, um, a country road and, and, and along the country road there were these kind of fence posts and wire in between the fence posts. And on, on the top of one of the fence posts sat a box turtle, a turtle. And people would say, Alex, why do you have that weird picture here? He says, to remind myself of the truth. And they said the truth? Yeah. When you see a turtle on a fence post, there's one thing you absolutely know for sure. He had help getting there. <laughs> I keep that there to remind myself of all of the help I've had, of all of the lifting hands in my life that got me to where I am. I'd be here all day just describing the people in my life that have lifted me, that God has used, that have taught me things, modeled things, opened doors, provided opportunities, uh, give, given me second chances. I mean, you know, uh, the, the number of fingers that God has used to lift Dan Meyer to, to the place on the fence post he is right now is just stunning. How about you? How many people have been involved in the lifting process in your life? And what does that say to us about what maybe our calling is ourselves in the life of other people? Uh, how do we be those fingers, those hands that shoot out to help other people in their, in their places of need? Uh, I don't want to be just sitting around in my office looking at my award, some award or, or the niceness of the furniture. I, I want those remaining years of my life to, to be part of a movement that lifts a lot of other people up. Um, and so I want to invite you in this next season to, to join me in that. To, let's do this together. I mean, think of what we might do together. Let's lift lots of individuals and families to a higher level of health and hope in this world. Let, let's love other people like Jesus loves people. Let's, let's love them in the way that produces in others so many stories of life change that Jesus' face gets sore from smiling. I mean, picture that. Let's, let's just make him so joyful that we're actually doing what he commissioned us to do, that it just brings him a sore face from smiling. 
So we have thought and prayed a whole lot within our staff team and within our elder circles about what it is God was wanting of us as a church in these next days. We asked ourselves, what would it take for Christ's church to become a force multiplier of the kind of grace that overcomes the gravity of life for people? What would that require? And so as we thought about that and pondered that and talked about it, God led us to, to, to the conviction that alongside of these three spiritual movements were needed, there are a few practical measures that we need to undertake in, in this season to come. One of the things we realize is we need to foster a leader revolution in the life of our church. Uh, we need to unlock the incredible giftedness and leadership capacity of this congregation and, 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 and help that move forward and, and not just keep it locked up in the life of the staff so much. The church has always been led by incredible lay leaders. We just believe that there's a whole nother level of possibility ahead. And so that's one of the things we're gonna be thinking and talking about more in these days ahead. Secondly, we believe that God would have us build an invitational culture a culture in which every person that's part of the church family is an active inviter of other people, helping them along the spiritual pathway. Again, this is not a staff thing. This is the church. We just do this uh, in all kinds of ways. We let people know that we like them a latte, right? And we all of us take a role in that. Um, and I think there's going to be, there could be such blessing that happens from that. And we'll say more about that in a minute. Thirdly, we believe we need to radically multiply the number of flourishing groups in our church's life. I think we would not have had, had anything like the difficult time we've had as a church during COVID had we had a richer kind of, of flourishing group life. If when they forced us out of the, when we had to leave the building, we just naturally already went right back to our to the church we had, the small group that we have. I know some of you have had that experience, but an awful lot of people didn't. We think we need to extend um, more of those groups. We want those groups to be ones that experience God's love and extend God's love to the world around us. Finally, we think we should improve the way we use technology. We want to provide tech touch points that build resourceful relationships with people out there whose first encounter and maybe only encounter with us will be in the digital space. We think God could do amazing things in people's lives if we were more intentional about how we used uh, these, these technological resources. I'm not gonna go into all of the programmatic particulars of, of these things um, because I know, I think there's a Bears game today, right? We need to make sure I get you home. Um, and there's a tennis tournament, and there's a lot going on. But um, we'll talk more about some of this in the days to come. What I would like to do is, is to invite you in closing to think about how you could be an important part of this. How this isn't something that the pastor's doing, but this is something that the church, church is doing. And I want to invite you to consider this as one of the great adventures of your life. So what do I mean by that? Well, use your imagination with me for a minute. Can you imagine helping just one individual every week to move to a higher level of thriving? You'll get up every Monday morning and you'll think, Lord, who is it this week? Who do you want me to lift? 
Uh, maybe you'll introduce yourself to a stranger someplace. And um, you'll, you'll learn a little bit about their story. And you'll say, wow, um, I'd love to pray about that. I'd love to pray. Could I do that right now and just pray for you? I, I, I'm so impressed by this quality or I, I feel the weight of that concern. Maybe you'll invite them out for a cup of coffee or, or, you, or you'll, you'll reach out to somebody in the neighborhood or in the workplace and you'll say, hey, let's, do, let's have lunch. I want to get uh, closer to what's going on in your life. Um, maybe you'll find yourself inviting somebody um, into one of these gather events that we're doing this fall where they can meet some other people that are in dealing with similar kinds of things in life. Um, perhaps you'll encourage them to, by giving them a resource that they may need, uh, or introducing them uh, to an opportunity or to a person that could help advance something that they're seeking to have done in life. Maybe you'll write a note of encouragement to somebody. Uh, maybe it's somebody who doesn't really get, maybe it's that teacher I just described, or some other teacher. Maybe it's somebody that doesn't always get a lot of value given to them. They're, they're, and they're losing hope. They're losing elevation in life because they don't have that kind of grace that's propping them up, that's lifting them up. Maybe you could do that. Maybe that's on the schedule this week for you. Or perhaps you would consider uh, inviting people to be part of the Remarkable Relationship Series. Um, and get, I mean, this past year has been hard on relationships in many cases. And perhaps this could be helpful to somebody that you know. Um, so could you do that? Could you help lift just one person every week for this next year? Could you, could you make that part of your prayer? Lord, who is it? How can I do it? And as you start doing it and you're experiencing what happens, would you tell us the stories? We'd like to know. And we'll share the ideas with each other. Or secondly, can you envision how we could possibly as a church make a substantial impact on 10 communities in the region around us? I mean, if we had hundreds of flourishing groups like we're imagining who made it a habit of not just studying together, but actually serving together in communities, or if maybe the groups in a certain community uh, decided to kind of rally together and get behind a school in that community, or behind the healthcare workers in the area, or address some other need in that particular community, can you imagine the lift that that could provide to all kinds of people who are, who, who are out there? Does raising the quality of life and the reputation of Jesus' people, of, of the church, in 10 nearby communities seem worthy of our energies? Does it seem doable? Or picture for a moment what would happen if a hundred of the groups in our church uh, became really passionately interested in one of our mission partners. Maybe each group adopted one of those partners. They Zoomed with them, they visited with them, they went to see them, they, they served occasionally with one of those mission partners, they prayed for them. Can you imagine the resources and the support and the encouragement that would touch these amazing servants and and lift their capacity in their settings. Um, better yet, what if there was over the next year or two um, such a leadership revolution that um, we were seeing need meeting ministries being launched by the people of Christ Church all over the place. Uh, you know, there, there have been times when that's happened through this church. I mean, 
you know, food pantries got started. And uh, we started the Executives Breakfast Club to help provide moral uh, guidance within leadership circles. And uh, the uh, Love Christian Clearinghouse that helps people uh, in crisis and that helps them navigate this uh, social system uh, was, was started by lay people in this church. The Ask Ministry that res- has resourced thousands of older adults and their caregivers was started by lay leaders in the life of Christ church. The resilient ministry that, that's operating in the, along the Roosevelt Road and, and it's now uh, sending kids to trade school and, and mentoring in the, in the school system over there and coming alongside single parents. This was started by lay leaders of Christ church. Uh, Spirit Village, a ministry that has raised $125,000 every year for the last 20 years plus, to, to, to minister to people in the developing world and provide basic needs for the mission partners that, and the people they serve. That was started by lay leaders of Christ Church. My question is, what kind of life-changing impact could this gifted congregation have next? If, if you made up your mind to change the world for good in some places where that's needed, And what about all the families? What about all those families out there who are living under the weight of everything pressing down on people these days? I don't know how some of you who are younger families have done it this past year. Uh, I I don't know how you've managed. managed. God bless you for your courage in living under very difficult circumstances. But what can we do for families? You know, could, how can we as a church do more to help love and nurture their kids? I mean, could we supply them resources that would help strengthen their marriage and their family rhythms? Could we inspire them to, to in some way, to uh, interact with uh, their network of relationships differently? Could we stand with them in times of crisis or grief? Could we lift a thousand families to a higher level of health and influence in the years ahead? Could we do that together? I think we could. And who could we bless through the touch of technology? What if we developed kind of short module resources digitally that we could uh, put into the hands of people through um, our various devices that helped answer common spiritual questions that provide help around important family life issues or that, that addressed some of the mental health concerns going on in people's life and all the things that people are wondering about but not always sure where to go. What if we became one of the great providers of this kind of help to people? And what if we made it really easy for you to share that information with people? and to give us feedback about what you're learning and seeing. What if we got better at using our, our digital technology to create these tech touch points? Do you suppose we could possibly touch 10,000 people through that? Could we lift that many people uh, if we set our minds to it? Do you think that might bring a smile to the face of the Lord who crossed eternity to to reach out to us. So here's my invitation in closing. Let's lift our eyes to God afresh. Uh, Let's make his character and his kingdom, in other words, our ultimate fascination. Secondly, let's lift up Jesus more uh, with a renewed passion to help other people find his transforming power and his community. 
And in his name, come COVID or high water or the next crisis that comes our way, let's do what each one of us can to lift 10,000 to their God-given potential. Let's do this together. And by his grace, that is still so much greater than gravity, that adventure can start today. Please pray with me. Lord, we know from your scriptures and the witness of history that you care for people. We know you are personal enough to care for each one. And you are vast enough to care for all. And so with our vision, first and foremost, of you and of your heart, would you do a great thing in and through us? Would you, by your grace, Lord, help us to lift one person each week to a higher level of thriving? Ten communities around us to a better quality of life. A hundred groups or more to greater missional impact. A thousand families to a higher level of health and influence. 10,000 people, Lord, toward their God-given potential for the sake of your glory and the furtherance of the redeeming purposes for which you sent Jesus, in whose name we pray, saying together, Amen.